Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Peter, how are you? I'm doing great, Eric. How about yourself? Oh, I am fantastic. It is a wonderful day, and uh, I'm really looking forward to the guest that you brought in. Uh, But before we get to him, um, you and I are both small business owners, right? And, And so are many of your listeners. One reason I enjoy the work of producing podcasts is that I get to work with a lot of different business owners like you, and I'm sure that you feel the same way about the work that you do. Yeah, no, no doubt. I, you know, I've been doing this uh, and working with business owners since since I started in the business in 1984 when I was 25 years old. So uh, at that point, in order to to work with the people that I wanted to work with, I, w- I was doing direct mail campaigns. If it, it, just I was knocking on business doors in small towns around the suburbs of Boston. So I've always worked with small business owners. It's just something I've, I've enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. And, and and I'm just so blessed that some of those clients are, are still clients of mine, um, and their kids are. So it's really been been a fun a fun run, you know. And, and so since then. We've really been focused on helping business owners with their financial planning, their succession planning, their business exit strategies, and and, and also their personal retirement and estate planning. Yeah. And, and so your guest has a couple things in common with you. He's also a business owner and his name's Pete. So, I mean, this is going to be a little bit confusing for me, but <laughs> well, maybe not too much. You can handle it, Eric. I, <laughs> okay. I've got confidence. Thanks, um, yeah, t- today I'm real excited. We're, we're talking with uh, Pete Minnick, who's the owner of Fresh City Kitchens, which is an office catering company located in Brighton, Massachusetts, right right next to Boston. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've really enjoyed working with, with, with Pete over the years. I, I love his energy and his, and his passion for what he does, his, his business philosophy, and, and really his respect for both his customers and his employees, which are his two most important constituents, I, like, like every business owner, the employees and, and, the, and our customers. So I've gotten to know Pete, and, and we've helped him manage his the Fresh City Kitchen's 401k plan. And I'd like to welcome Pete to Wealth is in the Details. So thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Peter. It's, uh, it, it's always fun to be able to you know, kind of pick your head up and uh, look to the horizon a little bit and, and think about something other than day-to-day business. It and, is. Uh, it's, uh, it, it can be inspiring to do that because uh, as a business owner, we've all been through so much. And, and speaking of that, you know, I know that uh, COVID has impacted the, the food service industry severely. How, how did that impact you? Significantly. I mean, our, our core business is office catering. And, you know, when all of a sudden somebody kind of turns off the lights in 90% of the offices around, you know, or, or your business kind of comes to a screeching halt really fast. <laughs> So the past, uh, you know, the past two years have, have been, you know, kind of a little bit of a watershed moment for us and allowed us to, you know, 
on, on the positive side, it allowed us to really kind of critically think about how we were doing our business and how we wanted to go back to, you know, return to doing our business. But uh, it was also, there are also a number of sleepless nights, et cetera. I um, bet. You know, as a, as a business owner, you know, we, we have some, some common experiences, but I think everyone's journey is, is just different. Could, could you tell us, tell our listeners how, how, how you got where you are now, you know, wh- what this journey was all about for you? Yeah, I, I, um, I kind of made the mistake of getting a restaurant job as a summer job when I was 15. And, you know, I kind of never looked back. I, I tried to be a marine, marine biologist for a little bit in college, and that didn't take. And uh, I ended up going to um, culinary school instead and have been in the restaurant business my, my entire life. Actually met my wife there uh, in culinary school. So, you know, moved to Boston in the late 90s, worked for a, a bunch of kind of expanding restaurant companies, started my own business doing some restaurant consulting. And then in 2010, ended up, um, I was offered the vice president of operations position at, here at Fresh City um, that would, as it was going through an ownership transition. And I came in and fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it, that ownership transition didn't go very well. And by 2013, that ownership group was looking for an exit strategy and, uh, February 10th, 2014, I became the uh, chief cook and bottle washer of Fresh City. Uh, at that point, it was just Fresh City. Uh, we're now Fresh City Kitchen. So, um, you know, it was, I, I took the company over in a no cash assumption of liabilities uh, transaction. And the liabilities were, were pretty significant. I, I, you know, essentially bought them out of a hole and really was, have spent the last, the greater part of the last 10 years, filling that hole back in, restructuring the company. Um, and, you know, thought that, thought that the light at the end of the tunnel was, uh, well, the light was a light at the end of the tunnel. And lo and behold, it was a train coming at us called COVID a couple <laughs> of years ago. So now we're, I think we, hopefully we've kind of worked our way around that train and we're, we're back, uh, we're back rolling again. <laughs> so, so I'm just curious, what did you see that others didn't see? When you when you decided to uh, to become the chief uh, cook and 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 bottle washer, it's a great question. I, I saw a the the bones of a great team that had you know been through some significant stress trauma um, of some ownership transitions and some tough times. The first ownership transition was financially tough, um, and but they were still there and they were they believed in the concept. And they believed in in everybody who they were, whom they were working with, and I really believed in the catering side of our business and and in that market. I, I loved it. It was it, it's a fun market to work in. It's always different, and frankly, in the restaurant business, our our business catering is eighty percent lunch. Uh, 15% breakfast and 5% dinner. Um, we'd like to expand the breakfast and dinner, but you know, if you can work in a, in the restaurant business and have a basically Monday to Friday, six in the morning to six at night kind of job, that's kind of appealing. I get to spend evenings and weekends with my kids and my wife. Yeah, that, 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 that's a pretty important lifestyle, uh, uh, decision. 
So, so you you did have re- retail prior to COVID, and I, do you still have any retail um, operation? I I don't own any retail restaurants anymore. Um, we are the franchisor uh, of the concept. There's uh, six franchises uh, still out there that we support and love. Uh, there's five of them on the Mass Turnpike and the rest areas, and one down at uh, Bradley Airport in Hartford. And I, I really kind of like the franchise relationship. They they get to focus on doing their business. I get to focus on supporting them. And I also get to focus on the catering side of our business. So it's, it's actually worked out really well on that front. And so, so the catering side became your, your major focus after COVID. Yeah, it was, it was a pretty significant part of our business pre COVID, but not, you know, now that we've kind of gotten rid of uh, the retail side of the business, so to speak, now it's really everything that we think and do every day is just de- devoted to um, servicing our customers and growing that segment of the business, especially as, uh, as people are getting back to the office, you know, the, the needs are, are changing and we're doing a lot of things to try to meet the, the changing demand and, and needs of our clients. It's, it's fun. So, so who, it's who, are, who, who are typical um, customers? Um, how do they, how do they find you? Uh, you know, what are you delivering and what makes your, your services uh, different and, and in demand? Sure. So our typical customers are, you know, almost anybody you can think of that would be having either a meeting or a, a social, you know, food event um, at their office. Um, it, everything from law offices to, um, you know, financial companies to uh, hospitals. We do a lot of business with hospitals, um, you know, especially Boston being such a great area for teaching hospitals. They have a lot of meetings and uh, we did have, we used to have a restaurant um, down in the hospital area in Boston. And that was, you know, that was a great outpost. We developed a lot of business that we've kept. Um, so Beth Israel hospital, um, children's partners, all, all those hospitals are, are really great for us. And frankly, they they kept us going through COVID um, huh. because they had to keep you know they had to keep feeding their their um, their staff their interns their nurses etc and we um, they were a big lifeline for us uh, through COVID and also um, a lot of the pharma labs around Boston not necessarily people think of pharmacy pharmaceutical sales um, especially in the restaurant business they, they drive a lot of business. Boston has, you know, a lot of pharmaceutical labs uh, and places doing research, and they had to keep those labs running um, for the last two years. And they didn't want their people going out to, um, you know, if even if they could find a restaurant that was open, they didn't want them going out to, you know, expose themselves. So oh, interesting. we took a lot, took a lot of food into um, pharma labs in, in Cambridge and, and uh, you know, the surrounding area. Um, so that, that was a big bump for us. I, I think you also said to me once that, uh, and recently that um, one of the reasons why demand is up for, um, you know, your kind of catering uh, or, or and, and, you know, around offices and businesses is that, that the companies are trying to incentivize the people to come in to, into the office and, and work as teams and, and be together in person. And food is a good, you know, breaking bread is, is a big part of that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen, you know, that kind of social dining aspect of, of our business within offices really kind of pick up in the last, you know, nine, 10 months since, since people started to return back to the office a little bit last September, um, you know, companies are definitely using food as a, as a way to make them a little bit more, more happy in the office and, and to have some camaraderie, you know, to break bread together a couple times a week, once or once or twice a week. And that's, that's been fun because we're, you know, we're, we're doing more, I guess like what I kind of call social food. So more burrito buffets or, or Mexican, you know, we'll, we'll put out a whole spread of different Mexican food, kind of build it yourself and stir fry and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it's nice to see people come in and, and get together, uh, talk to each other as opposed to, you know, just setting up around a conference room where they're, they're grabbing a quick uh, 20 minute lunch between seminars or what have you. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think Zoom and and uh, all the virtual technology that's available to us tonight is fantastic. It's great. I I don't think we're. I, I think we'll always. It'll always be there for businesses and and individuals wanting to communicate. But there's nothing like being together and sharing and you know sharing together and whether that's sharing meals. I think that's one of the most satisfying ways to be with friends and cohorts. It is. And I think one of the reasons that I'm, you know, kind of continue to be bearish about uh, or, or bullish, I guess, about our business going forward is, you know, I, I don't think people are going to be back in the office 100 percent of what they were in, before, you know, previously. My, you know, best guess is on average, it's probably something like 80 percent, but they're going to be coming into the office for, for meaningful interactions. And you know, a lot of great stuff happens around food and when you're when, and that's a great reason to bring people together. Um, so, you know, no, I don't think people are, companies are making people are going to make people drive an hour, hour and a half each way to commute just to come sit at a screen. But if they can come in and have a meaningful interaction, have some meetings, have a little bit more social, um, then I think that's how it's going to go. Yeah. I, I think so. Just like a, a, f- a family that eats together um, has a, a higher higher uh, probability of staying together. So I think the same with a business. I, I think so. Yeah. Hey, Pete. Pete, how, how did um how did the government relief programs affect your operations? I know there was lots and lots of money uh, given out. Um, and would your would your world look different now without that without that assistance? Yeah. And it's a little bit of a, a mixed blessing, but certainly the the whole PPP program was was a lifeline to many, 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 many businesses, my, myself included. You know, we took both rounds of um, PPP. It we were, you know, kind of beyond upside down financially. That that allowed me to keep twelve to fifteen people employed through the last two years, through, through the pandemic and allowed the company to survive that if that program didn't exist, it was, uh, it would have been lights out. Wouldn't it, you know, it just, we would have lasted a month. Yeah. So that, that was huge. The, the flip side of that, um, to be honest, was the, the RRF, the restaurant relief fund that was rolled out uh, just about a year ago and was 
promoted to help restaurants that have been significantly impacted bridge the gap of a year and a half of no sales. And at the end of the day, there was a $77 billion demonstrated need of people that were that applied and were approved, and they only initially funded it with $25 billion. I'm not, that is not an insignificant amount of money. I, I fully realize that. But they funded it with $25 billion, and the money ran out rapidly, and they didn't refill the, refill the well. And they, it went to a vote two weeks ago, and it was voted down, and it frankly created a very significant competitive imbalance in the restaurant business. Now, you've got 25%, 20 to 25% of the restaurants that applied and got it, and it was not an ins- insignificant amount of money. Now, you know, they've, they've been able to fill in their financial hole for the last year and a half. And, you know, the likes of Fresh City, who did not get it based on, I don't know, a lottery, I guess. We're still kind of digging our way out of it. And it is what it is. And we accept that. But um, it does make you scratch your head a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it really does. You know, I think this this kind of government assistance is so vital just to keep people employed i mean your 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 people are necessary not just Absolutely. for you but but for you know for 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 the economy it's vital you know they're they've got you know people that are depending on them just as i'm depending on them just as um, you know our families depend on us so yeah, I'm. I'm just kind of. I, I it, it's. It's still a little fresh. That I got to say, that wound is a little bit raw. That that did not get passed because that would have changed, changed a lot of things. But yeah. it didn't, and we're we're marching forward. It is yeah. what it is, and uh, you know, I can say that we've got a profitable business again, and we're happy about that, and we're happy to take care of our clients. Well, that's the good news. Well, so speaking of um of employees, uh. T- tell me about your relationship with your employees and, and, and has it changed since COVID and, and has your, has your management philosophy changed? And, and along the same lines, you know, what are your, what are your biggest staffing challenges right now? Uh, yeah, I guess last question first, our, our biggest staffing challenge is finding people is our business is coming back and restaffing. We we've hired back, Kind of all of the all of our prior staff that that we wanted to bring back and, and that was looking for work, and then we've uh, worked to to bring in some more staff. And I can tell you, I, I have a scoreboard right here on my on my computer screen of interviews. And in the last four days, uh, I am we're batting sub below three hundred in terms of people that actually show up for a pre-screening interview via Zoom. And, and these are people that, that have applied to us. It's not like we've gone out and, and sought, you know, and, and looked through files to find them. We put a posting out there. They signed up for it and they had a, an interview. At, I had one at two o'clock today and I sat there staring at my Zoom screen, waiting for somebody else to show up and they never showed up. Mm. Um, so that's been a little bit of a, a struggle. I don't understand where everybody is. Getting back into the trenches of the restaurant business uh, allowed me to put on Chef Whites again, which I hadn't had on in years and years and years. And it really allowed me to 
get into the kitchen and think about how we were going about doing our business um, with the team. And, you know, the team and I sat there and we, sh- we shedded, I think, what we call a lot of institutional momentum um, and, and re-looked at how we were approaching everything from um, accepting orders to um, uh, prepping for them and putting the food out the door into our delivery vehicles and, and um, to, the, to the client at the end of the day. And it's been, that part has been really fun because we got to really kind of sit down and think about it critically and um, come up with a better system at the end of the day that was better for easier, a little bit easier for us, provided better food for the client and um, made the client happier. So that's what it's all about. So, so it really, you were forced to, to look at systems and processes and, 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 and make them better, which is, which is a good thing. And, we, we should all do that on a systematic basis, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, ha- having the, the ability to, to pick your head up and, and really think critically about your business is, is tough in a small business because, you know, kind of when you're chief cook and bottle washer, um, that's what you're focused on. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're trying to find the, uh, the, um, the positives here. And, and, and I don't, I don't want to come off being sarcastic. There, there definitely have been some positives in um, really being able to look at our business critically. Um, we, we moved our business from Jamaica Plain over to uh, Brighton it, last summer. Um, I moved into a, a great new facility with an incredible landlord who's in a, he's in a similar business um, and we can really support each other. So that, that part has been just awesome. It's been really fun yeah, to be so around more, more like-minded people. <laughs> so challenges, uh, challenges can, can bring opportunities for, for us all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Go ahead. What, what were you going to say? Oh, I was, was going to say, I, you know, I think I'm the, uh, the eternal entrepreneur and optimist. <laughs> well, that's I think they kind of go hand in hand. I think that's what makes you successful. And, th- and that leads right into my next question. Um, you know, I, I've been doing this kind of work for, for almost 35 years. So I, I've made lots of mistakes over the years. And, and with hindsight, I, I definitely do some things differently. Uh, what are some of your lessons? Not, not just with COVID, but just in general, what would you do differently now as you look back um, at, your, at your, 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 your ownership career? Yeah, Oof you know, a, a, a couple, a couple things that, that may seem kind of juxtaposed to each other, but you know, the, the first one is to be conservative in, in, in your decision-making, you know, take, take your, your lowest estimate um, and cut it in half and then, then probably cut it in half again and, and double the amount of time that you think it's going to take you. <laughs> because yes. um, you know it, it's always it's great to be to beat your estimate and it's great to do it faster, but you know when you're counting on a certain sales level or a certain amount of time to do something in and you're not hitting it, the the stress is is brutal, um, and and 
the resources needed to get to what you think are, are brutal. Um, but, you know, on this, by the same token, um, as an entrepreneur, if you really believe in something, um, I've had a couple instances where I was talked out of doing what I, by my team at the time, but talked out of doing what I thought was the right thing for the business. And I should have, I should have stuck to my guns. I should have done it. So, you know, you, you kind of play both ends against the middle there, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, if you feel super strongly about something, run with it, just be super conservative and how quickly and you can, you think you can do something yeah. and, and, and know that it takes a team to get there. And I, I think having the team is, is, is one of the, the, uh, the lessons I learned, uh, early on, uh, you know, at the beginning I was, I was trying to do everything myself and, and it didn't take me too long to realize that if I was going to build something, I needed other people. And as I've, I've grown and added staff, it's been the best thing I've done. Um, it's, it's really a, it is truly a people business. <laughs> Every business is, and to grow, you need others. You really do. And, and you, you need to feel comfortable empowering them um, yes. and, and letting them do their thing and, and setting up the right, you know, system structure to, to check in with them appropriately. But, you know, you, you can't, you can't hamstring them by just breathing down their neck. I think that, that took me a long time to that lesson. It took me a long time to learn that lesson to be comfortable with that and, and letting others make mistakes and coaching them through it is, uh, is a tough lesson to learn as well. My business coach, and I, and I, I think I have a business coach, and I, I think it's invaluable. Um, but he always, he always says, uh, "Don't tell, ask." You know, ask questions and help people learn themselves, as opposed to me just telling them what to do. Make it, make it their own decision. Uh, and that, that's hard to learn. I'm still, I'm still learning it. It is. I think it's one of those muscles that just needs to be exercised yeah. constantly. Constantly. So, so, you know, I, as I mentioned, I have a, a coach, I've, I've had mentors who have been incredibly helpful to, to my career and business. And, and, and I'm so thankful for, for my staff and for my clients and all that. Um, but I'm just curious, you know, how, how do you, who do you use? Who, who are your, who are your advisors? Who are your mentors? How, how do you get through the tough times? Um, yeah. is it a, who, who is it? It's, it's, I don't have a formal mentor relationship. I, I've, I've thought about it and just kind of haven't quite got there, but, um, you know, kind of first and foremost, I think it's my wife. She's, she's, a uh, she's a rock and she's been uh, incredibly supportive, scratched her head at me many, many, many times, but she, she's, an, I'm fortunate to have her in my life. Um, but I, when I first moved to Boston in the late nineties, uh, I worked for uh, a restaurant group, John Harvard's brew house that put together one of the most talented management teams I've, um, I ever, you know, kind of had the fortune of, of working with. And, you know, 20 years later, there's, there's still a core group of five of us or so that, um, are, you know, I guess I would kind of call them my informal, um, 
management board. You know, you, we, we get together. We're, we're kind of scattered to the four, four corners of the country at this point, but we still get together um, occasionally and we, we bounce ideas off each other by text, by phone call. And um, it's just, it's great to know that, um, that I've got, you know, this group of people out there that I could call up if I'm scratching my head or have a question and they'll listen um, in a non-judgmental fashion and, and give their, give their best thought, best advice. Uh, yeah. It's, it's so, it's so vital to have, um, have those people that can, that you can reach out to because owning a business is lonely at times. It really is. It, it really, really is. Uh, nobody, nobody knows what you go through. Exactly. They own their own. Yeah. And even then your, your issues are, are specific to, to you and your business and, and every business owner has their own, their own uh, challenges. And it's just, it, it's, it's incredibly rewarding, as I said, but it, it does, um, it, it, it is, it can be stressful at times. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. so Pete, um, this has been so fantastic. I'm, I'm so excited that, that we got a, an opportunity to hear from, from you, uh, a business owner. I, I love your philosophy or the way you, you, you think about your, your customers and, and your, um, and your staff. Um, h- how does a business reach out to Fresh City if they want an event catered? Yeah, the easiest thing is to um, either, you know go to our website freshcitykitchen.com or shoot us an email at catering at freshcitykitchen.com and we will take care of you. You can order straight through the website if you like, or we can put you in touch with uh, one of our catering liaisons, and they can help you um, design exactly what you want. We we make it um, as absolutely easy as possible for our clients to place orders. Frankly, only, only about 12% of our orders come through our online, uh, our, our website. Um, once people kind of get into our system, it's, it's not a typical retail relationship. It's, it's a kind of a handheld B2B relationship, but you know, we realize that people are in the business of doing their business and the food is not their core business. Um, and they just want to be able to place their order and know that it's going to show up and be on time and hundred percent correct. And that's our bread. That's our business. That's, that's what we worry about every day. And frankly, we're, we're pretty damn good at it. We've got a lot of experience and I've got an incredible team. Um, I couldn't, couldn't do it without them. Um, my, my Rebecca's my, um, COO and Adrian's my, um, general manager that runs the operations here. They're, they're a, a, a great team and we've got great people working for us and I'm super fortunate. Oh, that's great. Well, thanks, Pete. And breakfast, lunch, and dinner call fresh, uh, fresh city kitchens. You got <laughs> so, it. You got so, it. Well, thanks again. Really appreciate it. And it was wonderful to hear about your journey. And uh, it's, it, to me, it's inspiring to talk to uh, successful business owners, just like myself. So that's, it's a lot of fun. So thanks. Thank you. A lot of fun talking to you, Peter. Thanks. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. Peter, here's the thing is that with every great recipe, there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, Obviously, Pete and his team have weathered so many storms and and come out better for it. Um, I know that part of 
planning is having that recipe and having all those things that go into great planning. There are business owners that need that help. So can you please give me your contact information so they can reach out to you and, and start that conversation, see what you can do? Yeah, I think probably the best the best way to reach out is uh, via my website at raskinplanning.com. A great place to start. Uh, send us an email, call me. Uh, certainly able to uh, provide a consult or or just chat about what your uh, your hopes and goals are. Absolutely. Pete, thank you so much for being on the show. I wish you and your team the best. And of course, Peter, thank you so much for facilitating this and bringing Pete on the show. And our last thank you is always reserved for you. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. When we humbly ask that you share this podcast also, please rate it and leave a comment. Uh, that would be great. That actually helps other people find the show. That would be very helpful. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., a broker-dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.